0: Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And I'll read two verses, and this is a topical message this afternoon, not an expository, as I usually do. But anyway, John 13. Verse 13 and 14, and then I'm going to look at verse 19. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. And then, verse 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 19, Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am. He, now the word he is in italics, so it's not in the, the Greek text, it was added, to a complete sentence in English, but really what he said there is, that ye may believe that I am, or is I, I am the I am, remember I got, saw Moses asked the Lord, Exodus chapter 4 I believe it is, whom shall I say sent me, and he said say that I am. It's the name of God. And, of course, he gives that also in verse 8. Anyway, I want to look at this afternoon the subject of he is master and Lord. Master and Lord. Luke 6, 46 says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So, master and Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have, the, good, the day we've enjoyed so far here in the house of the Lord meeting uh, together and fellowshiping together with your church i pray as we look under this as we consider this topic uh, master and lord i pray that you'd help us to uh, glean and learn some things that will encourage us and challenge us and help us to have confidence and trust and security in our savior the lord jesus christ and we pray in jesus name amen so as we consider that He is the Master and Lord, you know, Master speaks of a great te- a teacher, uh, one who rules over. The word Lord uh, is defined as He to whom a person or anything belongs, about which He 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 has power of deciding. So, uh, if He's our Master and the Lord, He should have the power of deciding for us. He should be our director of decisions, if you will. Um, it's, it's defined as a possessor and disposer of a thing. And uh, you know, Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 17, Colossians 1 describes this this way. 15 through 17 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, speaking about Christ, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You, you know God even created the devil? Now, he didn't create the devil the devil. He created him an angel. He was one of the highest believed to be one of the highest-ranking angels in heaven before his fall. Well, he became the devil because he decided he wanted to be worshipped as God. He said, I will be like, and this was, you know, if you read, I think it's uh, Isaiah 14, four times in one verse, he, the devil says, I will be, I will be, and he says, I will be like the Most High. And, of course, God cast him down. So, all those things were created by him, and he is before all things. And by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. And again, the firstborn speaks of the idea that he is above others. Uh, He is first. So he is master. He is Lord. So I want to consider (coughs) seven things this afternoon that he is master of. First of all, he is the master of our circumstances. And most of these we're going to find in the book of John, some of uh, in other places. But in John chapter 2, uh, very early on in Jesus' ministry, in fact, it's the first recorded miracle we have in the Bible, there's a circumstance that is rather embarrassing. John chapter 2 says, In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine... The mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And we believe this to be grape juice. The word wine is defined as fruit of the vine. But anyway, uh, Jesus saith unto her woman, What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. There were set there six water pots of stone, after the man of the purifying of the juice, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He saith unto them, Draw it now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, that is, they drank a lot, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So we see here is an embarrassing, rather embarrassing circumstance for a family that has a wedding. You know, it would be like, uh you know, Hannah's wedding if we only had half enough food to go around. And... Um, you know, we have a guy that's catering this. I think he'd be rather embarrassed. And, uh, of course, we'd be embarrassed too. Uh, Don't try this, please. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I mean, I I believe the Lord is going to be there. But uh, anyway, this is a rather embarrassing circumstance that we find here. And we find that, of course, Mary... uh, Considering that she understood something different about, I don't think she understood this point, who, who, what was so different about him. But, but anyway, says, commands them, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You know, when we find ourselves in some, in difficult circumstances, we need to do what the Lord commands us. And let the Lord work out the circumstances. Now, we find this true in many situations in the Bible. Joseph found himself sold into slavery into Egypt. Hated by his brethren and sold as a slave into Egypt. But he continued to obey the Lord. And the Lord brought him into favor with Potiphar, and then with the guard of the prison, and then with Pharaoh. And the Lord gave victory in his circumstances made something good out of something that was evil. In fact, Joseph told his brethren in Genesis chapter 50, You thought it evil unto me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass uh, the saving of your lives. Uh, You know, Abraham got himself, and we can go through the whole Bible. I I think of illustration after illustration. Abraham got himself into a predicament when he went down into Egypt and said, Sarah is my sister. and Pharaoh takes her. Into his house, but the Lord plagues Pharaoh because of it, and of course he is he is saved from this predicament. Uh, David got himself into a bad circumstance, you know, and went to Achish, and uh, but. God was merciful again to him and saving him from fighting against his own people. You know, how often we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, but in those circumstances, we just need to trust the Lord. You know, Daniel was found himself in difficult circumstances and was required, you know, the meat and the drink that was set before him of the king violated the command of God. Many person would say, well, surely God would understand. If it's your life... Or the command of God. Surely God would understand. No. He requested an alternative. And it was granted. And God uh, gave them favor again. In those, Of course we saw. We're going to see this in, in, uh, in the book of Esther as well. So, so we need to take the advice. In any circumstance that we find ourselves in. We need to take the advice of Mary. Whatsoever he saith unto you do it do it god is the master of our circumstances he can work things out in ways that we don't have any ideas Uh, and so we need to trust him we just need to rest in his promises Uh, we need to obey him even in difficult circumstances the second thing one wants to notice is he is also the master of distance. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now Cana and Capernaum is about 17 to 20 miles apart. So when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he is at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him." So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. So, again, we're talking of a distance of 17 miles. He wasn't with the the sick child. He didn't lay his hands on him and pray over him or anything like that. He just simply said, your son lives. Your son lives. You know, it doesn't matter if Jesus is here or there. He still knows where you are. He still has power to undertake for your need. He can still do what you need for your life. And we see illustrations of this and other illustrations in John chapter 1. We see an illustration of this again in uh, the calling of the disciples. In John 1 verse 44 through 48 it says, Now Philip was up the state of the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets is right, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. There is, there's nothing but the a forked tongue about this guy. He says what's on his mind, you know. And uh, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and saith unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. So here's a circumstance where Nathaniel Nathanael was out of the physical sight of Jesus. And yet Jesus said, before Nathanael or Philip called thee, when you were under the fig tree, I saw thee. Look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 13. Chapter 3 and verse 13. This speaks to us of the omnipresence, is the term for it. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that means he's everywhere present. He's everywhere present. Um, In John 3 and verse 13. He tells Nicodemus. No man hath ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven. Even the son of man which. Is in heaven. Now that is not a translation mistake. It doesn't say. Even the son of man which was in heaven. It says even the son of man which is in heaven. Now, Jesus is on earth. He's talking to Nicodemus, and he says, the Son of Man is in heaven. And he's on earth. See, he's the master of distance. He's everywhere. He's ever-present. The Bible tells us he's an ever-present help in time of need. That means he's wherever you are. Do you realize that it isn't just one person at a time that needs his help? He's everyone's help wherever they are. He is ever-present. Look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalmist spoke of this in Psalm 139. Verse 2. Verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. You know when I'm sitting down. You know when I stand up. I understandeth my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path, and my lying down art acquainted with all my ways. So the Lord knows wherever you are, whatever posture you're sitting in or standing, whether you're walking or whether you're driving or whatever you're doing. He knows it. He knows all your ways. Verse 4, there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind me before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high I cannot attain unto. it. We, we, that's not something we can, we can grasp. But he goes on and says, whither shall I go from thy Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea... Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The word possessed me in my reins... And and cover me in my mother's womb, has the idea of our DNA. Do you know he knows your DNA? You know, how long, how many, how, how, how late, or how many years ago did man just learn about men's DNA? It's not been, it's been really kind of recent. But yet God knew about it, he knows. Uh, He knows our thoughts are far off. We cannot get away from thy presence. You know, sometimes people try to get away from God. I had a sister that thought she was going to run away from home. Um, So she packed a suitcase and, uh, and headed out the door. Mom said, bye. My mom was one of them old school mothers. She knew. And she walked to the crossroads, which was about a quarter mile back the road. We lived on a dirt road. And sat back there for a few hours and then came home. (laughs) Uh, You know, but you know, some people think they're going to run away from God. We're going to get away from God. You can't get away from God. God knows where you are. David said, I could, whether I go to heaven or whether I ascend into hell, I can flee into the wilderness. You're there. You're there. He is the master of distance. You cannot get away from God. Thirdly, he is the master of time. Master of time. John chapter 5. Verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there at Jerusalem, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season of the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The potent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am in coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. On the day same day was the Sabbath. And So we see here that... Um, He had laid there a long time, but he lay there for this time. This was his time. Ecclesiastes in chapter three says there's a time for every season under the sun. And our times are in the hand of God. In Acts chapter one, you know the disciples wanted to know. The times and the seasons which God hath put in his own power. And he says, you know, it's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but God has those times and seasons in his own hands. Galatians four tells us, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. You know, God has a time for everything. In John chapter 7, we see... You know, Jesus speaks about, and he spoke of this on several occasions, the, like, my time is not yet, or my time has not yet come. And in John chapter 7, is one of those places, in verses 6 through 8, his brethren, uh, his brethren told him to go up to the feast, and Jesus said to them, my time is not yet come, but your time is already, always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go you up unto this feast, I go not up yet to this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And so he's referring to there to the time when he should be crucified, and he says, my time is not yet. So in other words, it's not my time uh, for me to be crucified. But when he was crucified, or when it, he was submit himself, his time was come. And in fact, in Matthew 26, verse 18, and he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The Master saith, My time is at hand. What he meant there is, My time to die is at hand. And so, our times, you know, it is God, the, the Lord, that holds the keys of death and of hell. Our life is in His hand. John 8 tells us that. In fact, Paul said, and we read this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, where he says, or actually verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. If you read Second Peter, Peter speaks of a similar thing, his case, that his, the time that he put off this tabernacle is near. So, Paul knew that his time was near. Uh, and, and, and so, that our times are in God's hand. We need to submit to ourselves to his time. To his time. And we need to use our time for his glory. You know, all of us have the same amount of time. How are we using it? Psalm 90 Verse twelve says this: "So teach us the number our days that we apply our hearts unto wisdom." So we needed to number our days. You know, I remember reading about Robert Dick Wilson, who was a, who was a scholar. Uh, he was a professor at Princeton University years ago. He um, taught himself forty-five different languages and dialects. Um, he he learned all the Old Testament. Or all the biblical languages in the world, some of which Aramaic. Is, nobody could teach it. He self-taught him, sel taught himself. Aramaic, I think it was. Anyway, and he did all that. He, he divided his life up. He said, he, looking at his ancestors, he figured he'd live 75 years. So the first 25 years, he he divided up into 75 year or 25 year increments. The first 25 years, he spent educating himself, training himself to learn biblical languages. The second 25 years he spent in research and investigation study proving the truths of scripture in their languages, original languages. And the last 25 years he spent teaching and and writing about the things that he learned. And then he died. Uh, But anyway, you know, what did he do? He scheduled his time. He used his time wisely for the Lord. And so our times are in his hand when you use them for the Lord. And then I want you to notice a fourth thing. He is the master of quantity. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 1. John chapter 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Jesus went up to the mountains there, sat with his disciples. And the Passover was a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so the many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about five thousand. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had been eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said... This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. So here we see that Jesus feeding the five thousand with five loaves and two fishes. You know, man's opinion was, uh, what is that among so many? In other words, how are we going to feed all these people with five loaves of bread and two fish? From man's perspective, that is the truth. But Jesus is the master, or he's the Lord over quantity. You know, there's really bigger miracles than this in the Bible. In Exodus, the book of Exodus, feeding the the children of Israel with manna for 40 years is a greater miracle. Feeding the children of Israel the quail is a greater miracle. In fact, Moses said, are you going to slaughter all the cattle in, in Egypt, and all the cattle we have here in this wilderness, to feed, you know, if you're going to make us meat to the full... How are you going to do it? And he said, the Lord's hand waxed short. God's hand is never short. And he just brought an east wind, brought quails. Quails. You know, it would be like our church gathering out there beside the the Welch barns. And he sends a big wind. You know, we're a little bit in the hungry side. We want some quail to eat. And he sends a big wind and brings all 180,000 over at one time. No, no, I hope not. But anyway, you know, um, see, God knows what we need, and He can supply those needs. He is the master of quantity. He made uh, the 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 oil and the um, um, meal, not fail nor waste until rainfall. In the days of Elijah. See, the Lord knows our needs, and he will supply those needs if we will just trust him and be content in him. He is the master of quantity. He knows. Fifthly, he's the master over natural law. Chapter 6 of John, verse 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea, and entered into the ship and went over toward the sea toward Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them, and sea rose by reason of the great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing nigh unto the ship, they were afraid. But saith unto him, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at land whither they went. Now Matthew records this also in Matthew chapter fourteen. And it tells us there that Jesus had constrained his disciples to get into a ship and sail the other side. So they were where Jesus had sent them. He had told them to get into the ship and sail the other side. He went up into the mountain to pray. And of course in the middle of the, the sea, the storm comes up, which is common in the sea of Galilee. And and they they thought they were going to perish. In fact, you know, they were crying out and Jesus comes walking onto them under the sea. And they cried out for fear they thought he was a ghost. And he calmed the winds and the waves and said, peace be still. And Peter says, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. What manner of man is this? You know, this is the the man, the God-man... That can close the mouths. Of hungry lions. This is the man. Who can make. An army. Flee. At the sound. Of horses. This is the man. Who can strike a man dead. And have him eaten of worms. This is the man who can make the gate of uh, uh, the guards be in a in, a, in a, dull, uh, a, a deep sleep so that they do not hear the chains falling off of Peter and they don't hear the gate opening of its own accord and and, and, and they stay asleep and and can can overcome locks that man has put on and let Peter walk free. And this is the man or the God that can deliver in storm. In Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, and, and even, you know, deliver us from uh, uh, the Apostle Paul from a snake bite. Acts 28, verse 3 says, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of his heat, out of the heat. And fastened on his hand, when the barbarian saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live, shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, when they looked, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. After that, they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, you know, this was a miracle that God promised to the disciples uh, or the apostles in Mark chapter 16. It is not for today, so don't try to handle poisonous snakes. Uh, some have tried and paid the price for that. But, but anyway, this was one of those sign miracles that God gave to the apostles. And, 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 and again, we see that he has power over natural law. He has power to make a whale swallow a man and spit him back out. so he has power over natural loss. Number six, he is the master of misfortune. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did send this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh with no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat in the ground, made clay of spittle, and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore... And they, which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, "Is not this he that sat and begged. Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Excuse me. So, you know, here's, here's a man who's, uh, for no reason of, his, of sin of his parents or anything, uh, no, uh, you know, uh, medical mistakes, uh or anything like that. You know, there have been people that have been blinded because of uh, medical um, uh, mistakes. In fact, I think uh, Fanny, was it Fanny Crosby or, um, I think Fanny Crosby was blind because of uh, a misdiagnosis or a treatment she was given. But anyway, uh, this man has caused, uh, uh, has been the victim of a misfortune of being blind. And, And we see the Lord is master over these. You know, he can, he can, Heal the brokenhearted. He can make the blind to see, the lame to walk. Uh, he can straighten uh, you out on your path. Uh, he can fix that which was broken. We looked Thursday night about uh, Jabez being born in sorrow, and yet he called on the Lord, and God granted him that which was request- that which he requested. Uh, we we find Naaman in Second Kings chapter five. He was a captain, a great, an honorable, a mighty man, but he was a leper. And Little Maid said, would to God he would see the prophets that's in Samaria, he would heal him of this leprosy. And To make a long story short, he goes to the man of God who simply says, go wash in the Jordan seven times. You see, God can take the misfortunate circumstance and manifest himself and show forth his glory. And that was the purpose of this, to show forth the glory of God. Um, so he's a master of misfortune. And then I want you to know the third, or the seventh thing, the final thing. I usually have three, but I have seven today. He's the master over death. He's the master over death. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Verse 38. Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, came to the cave. It was a. It was a Come to the grave. I'm sorry. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, "Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days." Jesus saith unto her, "said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shalt see the glory of God?" Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always." Because because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoke, had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with great clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. You see, Jesus is the master over death. Revelation tells us that he has the keys of death and of hell. Revelation one eighteen and chapter 3 and verse 7. He told Martha in chapter 11 here in verse 24 and 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And so he is the master over death. Do you ever consider the fact that he was the master over his own death? You say, well, then why did he die? Because he laid down his life. Look at John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19 and verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and what's the next word? Gave up. Gave up the ghost. Let's read on. The Jews, therefore, because it was a preparation, that this body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day. We saw it, Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Now, what this is about is, you know, a crucifixion, when, when they crucify, they have a, a little, little uh, it's almost like a little uh, thing that you can put your feet on, stand on, on, uh, under your feet, so that when you're hanging there, you can push up and get yourself a breath. Push up and get yourself a breath. Other, otherwise, if you just hang there, you suffocate. Well, the fact that you can push up and get yourself a breath prolongs your life. And the reason they wanted to break the legs is because Sabbath day is coming. They didn't want anybody on the cross on Sabbath day. So they wanted to break the legs to hasten the death of these three Jesus in the middle. And so they come to break the legs, and they ask Pilate, and then it says in verse 32, Then came the soldier and to break the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was, what, dead already. Why was he dead already? Because he gave up. He gave his life. It was not taken from him. He was given. He is the master over death. Even his own. He told Pilate. Remember he told Pilate. Thou hast no power over me. Except it were given of thee. In John 10. We are reminded. In verses 17 and 18. He said. No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. You see, he had power over his own death. He gave his life. It was not taken. He's the master over death. And he's the one that has power over our destiny. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty four. Well, verse 7 says, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that has the mastery over the death, hell, and the grave. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that he can deliver those that through their lifetime were all always subject to bondage. And he did it by giving his own life. See, he can give you life. Or he can condemn you to death. But he has the power. He's the master over death. Is he your master and Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? You know, he said, I am. The I am. I'm the all-sufficient one. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Should not we trust him? Should not we have confidence and rely upon him? Allow him to direct our life knowing that he is the master. A master that gave his life for us. Would that not be a master who would have our best interests in mind? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do